0: Hello and welcome back to Repertory Screenings. This is episode thirty. I'm your host M, and with me are my regular co-host Destiny, hello, and Jackson. Movies now more than ever. Uh, absolutely. Um, gosh, it's we're back. Uh, we we're took. Back. <laughs> we were like, it's gonna be like six weeks, two months. Three weeks flat. We made it. Thank you, I Destiny. Don't even for... think this is a long break by our standards. No, no, it's not. Destiny, thank you <laughs> for healing rapidly. Um
1: I mean I'm not at one hundred percent, but I can podcast.
0: Yeah, no. You I mean, you know, we were worried. We didn't know how to be. You've been you've been doing all right.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Um and so we are back. Season two. We're not counting any season two. This is technically <laughs> season, season three anyway, so That's true. Uh <laughs> ruptured screening season zero uh yeah um movies
2: jackson what have you fucking watched uh i've watched a couple movies uh, not that I have, like, so, too much to say about I watched one movie, I watched Tron, and I'll talk about that on VoIP Life if you're curious.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, because it's that's, that's kind of what we talk about whenever we watch a weird blockbuster with incomprehensible politics. Oh, you mean our new uh, sub-feature, Blockbusters. <laughs> exactly. Shows up only on VoIP Life. <laughs> Which, uh, if any, um,
2: if any uh, podcast service wants to license that, feel free. Uh, yeah, if you, want us, will... if you
0: want me and Jack to just talk about how all uh, popular movies are right-wing propaganda, we've got a podcast to pitch you. We'll do it. All you need to do is like give us a salary. It doesn't have to be a big one, even. Like, I know there's entire YouTubers
2: that make that like, their whole brand, but we do it better.
0: Yeah, we'll do it better. Because, you here. know,
2: we're a- actually communists and not, you know, fake YouTube liberals. too. It's too. It's too. Anyway, movies I've watched... <laughs> uh I also watched um uh, as part of my watching uh like reading John the Carré books, I watched the first two John the Carré adaptations uh the Spy who came in from the Cold and the Deadly Affair uh,
0: uh where are these movies from? Who made them? These are from the sixties uh, oh,
2: okay uh i 'm watching them as I go like you know as I move through the books i 'll watch an adaptation that came out alongside it uh we 'll see i don't expect to keep this up this isn't like an official project but i thought as i 'm going through them I may as well peek in uh the deadly affair is uh an adaptation of the first novel call for the dead uh directed by sidney lumet uh and um the spy who came in from the cold is directed by martin ritt uh and uh those are two pretty good movies uh i think the spy who came in from the cold is a better movie but i wouldn't recommend it because it's such a straight adaptation of the book just read the book um I think the movie does like a fine job of it, but it's like it's the book in movie form and it's not as good, right? Like as uh there's only so far you can go um with that. Like I know it's a classic, but it's uh it really is just they haven't really added or taken away anything much. Um they they play up some of the more uh frustrating elements of that book, like the that whole, that whole, I I love that book a lot. Uh, in hindsight, but reading it, it really, and watching the movie as well, it really rests on like the innocence of the young woman that this, uh, that is for some reason fallen in love with this fifty-year-old, like washed-up drunk spy, but represents all that is pure and good in the world. Great. Um, yeah, it's the reason I didn't like that book while I was reading it. Uh, it comes to a good place at the end, but um, that part's a more. V- like, obviously frustrating in the movie because you don't even get the, like, part where most of the book is just uh, people talking about their views on politics and the Cold War, right? Like, because it has to condense everything down to the plots um deadly affair worse movie more interesting makes more changes uh, was made by a different studio that lost the rights to george smiley so he's called charles dobbs in this one uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's played by james mason and they add in the fact that his wife is cheating on him for some reason uh whereas his wife that's, in the that's, novel- that's a
0: right that's a writer in all james mason films
2: <laughs> oh, oh, so the whole the thing with this with the Deadly Affair, which is uh, I you should watch
0: this movie. <laughs> okay,
2: because like is this I the most is...
0: Sebastian Matchstick movie possible? Because it sounds <laughs> it, like it.
2: <laughs> it is the most Sebastian I'm Matchsticks, but the the person who's also in this argument is his wife who isn't British and is like yelling at him being like please just fucking call me a slut or something don't just say oh it's fine when I cheat on you she's so mad at him as he Britishes as her face as she's like cheating on him with all his men it's pretty good
0: um, uh, for the people in uh, the listenership who don't understand what we're talking about when we children. say Sebastian matchsticks there's there is, there is an Eddie Izzard bit um, from, I don't actually remember which special this is from.
1: Just to Kill. Uh, yes. to Kill, yeah.
0: Where uh, he talks about the difference between British films and American films. I'll link it in the description uh, about how British films are just people in rooms, <laughs> ranging matchsticks, <laughs> looking very dramatic. And the thing is, it is accurate and also describes most of my favorite films. <laughs>
2: Ironically, uh, the actual content of the, those arranging mattress scenes in this movie are "you fuck my wife." <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that sketch is amazing. Which I, I put this on Twitter. I don't know if anybody who so is that <laughs> The British movies spot on. Like for every hour of British movies, they're all that. Uh, the American movie parody is like for maybe two years in the nineties, and yeah. is not accurate any other time. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, so but, but I, I, we've got known in
2: Britain for making the smaller films, smaller, you know, recently we've been pulling out of that into the more train-spotting area, but the smaller films, the kind of, you know, room with a view with a staircase and a pond type movie. <laughs> films are very fine acting, but the drama is rather sort of subsumed and subsumed, or a word like that. Um, <laughs> sub something, you know, just, just sort of folded in and everything's, people opening doors. Oh, I'm, oh, what? <laughs> Well, I, oh, (laughs) what is it, Sebastian? I'm arranging matches.
0: (laughs) Well, I I thought, you I'd better go. (laughs) Yes, I think you'd better have. And you can't eat popcorn to that, you're going.
2: Yeah, those are the movies I've been watching. I watched a few good things. Um, I thought you (laughs) were about to say I
0: watched A Few Good Men, and I was like, why did you do that? (laughs) I mean,
2: I have seen A Few Good Men, not recently. I've I've actually
0: never seen it. It just doesn't seem like a thing I need to worry about.
2: uh, I remember it being fine, as Mm -hmm. Aaron Sorkin things go, you know.
0: Uh, Destiny, what have you watched?
1: Um, I've watched quite a few things. Um, Criterion added three films by this director named Stephen Cohn, who's based out of Chicago, who does, like, summary coming-of-age movies about queer youths who uh, happen to be religious, Uh, and I watched two of those. The first one was called The Wise Kids, and it was, like, really, really slow, but, like, I enjoyed it. I don't know. Um, It's about three friends, and... How they each deal with, like, just the transition from high school to college. And then uh, the second one I watched was called Princess Sid. This one was a little better. Uh moved a lot faster. It's about this um, young girl who comes up to Chicago from, I believe, South Carolina to stay with her aunt. And it's sort of about the aunt kind of learning to become a more sensual person while she has this, like, young, vital niece with her. It's kind of based on that movie Swimming Pool. Did anybody see that?
2: No. I have not, Naive. No.
1: Oh, okay, because it's also about, like, this sexy little French girl who goes to live with her aunt and is very scandalous, and it's, it's pretty good. Um <laughs> Then I watched uh Bonjour Tristesse which was an Otto Preminger movie about this uh, girl played by Jean Seberg who is very jealous of this woman that her uncle, or excuse me, her dad starts courting, played by Deborah Carr. Uh, I can't remember who plays the dad. One second. It is David Niven. Uh, and it's cool because the sequences in the present are in black and white. And this is a 1958 movie, so it was kind of unusual at the time. Uh, but the pr- past sequences are all in color. Uh, and it was a nice little movie. Kind of a sad ending. I mean, hence, the t- I guess the title kind of gives away that it's a sad movie. Um, but yeah. Uh, you'd think I would have watched more movies on my... I guess we watched a bunch of those movies in the Criterion's bad... Vacation, yes. Uh, which we watched Long Weekend. Did you like Long Weekend?
0: Uh, Long Weekend was okay. It was just fine. I feel like that was an Australian movie about okay. a couple who go out into the wilderness and argue uh, about how the lady had an abortion because it's the seventies and are attacked by animals. Uh, who like nature gets its revenge on them for being like polluters or whatever. Is ridiculous. It was a decent time though.
1: It was a good time. Uh then we watched The Deep.
0: The Deep is amazing. I told Jackson to watch the Deep, uh because The Deep is like what if you Jaws did. was a crime film.
1: Yeah. Which, yeah, of cool. course. Of course cool. you recommended that to me. <laughs> I mean, it was really good. Yeah. It even had uh the same guy in it. I can't think of his name all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, the guy who plays Quint. I cannot remember his name either. I'm not gonna look yeah, it up. So But
1: he's in he's in the Deep. Um so yeah, watched. We quite also a watched Sightseers. Oh! That one? Sightseers! I'd almost forgotten. Yeah. Ben Wheatley.
0: Yes. Which uh, that movie's incredible. A
1: British couple goes on this weird... <laughs> I don't understand the... The tour that they go on is, like, some of the dude's favorite, like, museums and caves around Britain. Uh, And then it just kind of turns murderous. It's an amazing movie.
0: Yeah, uh, It's really good Yeah, I watched it at the time in the cinema, but <laughs> I thought you
1: had more to say about it
0: Oh, sorry, you're breaking up really bad, Destiny that is, uh... You're
2: in the same house
0: Yeah, I don't know why that is
2: <laughs> Destiny's not breaking up on my end
0: Oh, weird This is good software I literally just can't hear Destiny right now
1: I'm not talking Oh, okay <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, while you were talking you were just breaking up really bad because <laughs> <laughs> uh, your anyway, descriptions just great. got cut off and it was weird
1: oh when? well sorry
0: it's all right um i watched. or me and Dusty both watched color out of space which is uh, the Richard Stanley directed and written film uh, based on the Lovecraft story of the same name. Uh, this is Richard Stanley's first movie since getting fired off of the island of Dr. Moreau in 1996, uh, famously, um, and is a... Really good movie that you can find on Shudder about uh, this asteroid that lands in the yard of this uh, family that lives in the backwoods of New England uh, in the city of the the small city of Arkham, because Lovecraft is stupid. Um, But uh, it then starts to drive them crazy. Uh, Nicolas Cage is like the main star. Um, as the dad of this family that is all dysfunctional and they all start, uh, being driven mad by this, the uh, meteor that also is aliens. Um, and it's just an incredible movie. It's like really lush visually and, uh, is very overacted in the way you'd want out of a movie like this where everyone slowly goes crazy and, uh, there's some good monsters in it. And, uh, I had a great time. It's got a great, like thumping soundtrack and very bright colors, uh, as, you know, everything gets slowly taken over by aliens and uh it's really good. It supposedly this is the first of a trilogy he wants to make of Lovecraft adaptations. So I hope he can make two more. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I saw everyone on Twitter was really into it. Yeah. Um I also watched uh mm-hmm. After John Singleton died, I acquired all of his films and I was like, I'm going to watch all these. I forgot about it for a year. And then I watched Boys in the Hood and Poetic Justice in the last couple weeks. Um, Poetic Justice is just okay. I enjoyed it, but you know, uh, it, it is, uh, it is a romantic drama that, uh, is very much about gender dynamics in 1993. So maybe not for everyone. Uh, Boys in the Hood is really good. Uh, liked it a lot. Uh, it, Lawrence Fishburne's great in it. He's the one I really want to shout out because Cuba Gooding Jr. is a bad guy, um, in real life. Um, and it's just good. It's nice. It, it, it's like a sad movie, but like the parts where it's like preachy or preachy in like the corny way that like is good when nineties movies are preachy. Um, it, it, it is on point about stuff. I like that it, you know, the way in which all the characters age up and go from 10 to 17 and how they are all at 17 is really, uh, well done. Uh, it's a classic for a reason.
2: Yeah. Cool.
0: With that, we should probably get into our main movie. Let's do it. We watched The Player. Which is uh, directed by Robert Altman, uh, a screenplay by Michael Tolkien, based on the novel of the, uh, the same name by Michael Tolkien. Um, stars Tim Robbins and Greta Scacchi and Fred Ward and Whoopi Goldberg and Peter Gallagher and eight hundred other people. Because the one thing I know about Robert Altman, I'm not like super well watched on his stuff, is that he, he has movies with eight hundred people in them <laughs> every single time. Yes. Um, and this one is a satire of Hollywood and Hollywood film production, and thus you have not only the celebrities playing all the, like, main characters, but also the celebrities playing themselves in the background of every scene. Um, there was which really...
1: actually a scene oh. where we thought a character was just being themselves or excuse me, an actor was being themselves. And it turned out they were just a character in the movie.
0: (laughs) There's a bit, there's a bit where like halfway in the movie, Whoopi Goldberg's introduced and uh, Tim Robbins walks in and she's holding an Oscar. She's like, wow, this thing's really heavy. And then she starts giving a like fake Oscar speech. And Jessica's like, I thought she already had one by now. And then it turns out that she's not actually playing Whoopi Goldberg. She's playing a detective. (laughs) But in the moment you can't tell because it's Whoopi Goldberg. (laughs) And the most hilarious thing
1: is I made that mistake, but I've seen the movie before. (laughs) i just forgot whoopie was in it
0: so um jackson do you want to briefly summarize what this movie's about
2: uh the movie is about uh a mid-tier studio executive called griffin mill uh who is being sent threatening postcards uh, while there is a uh, new editor uh, who is also a story editor being placed above him in his department. And that means he's on the way out in this uh, corporate struggle Um and, uh, the two plots continue with him, trying to find out, uh, who's sending these postcards, finds a writer that is disgruntled, uh, tries to talk to them about it, tries to buy their script just to shut up, shut them up, and, you know, uh, deal with his postcard situation. Um, they have a bit of a fight, he ends up killing him, <laughs> and then is like, ah, oh, whoops! And, uh, so spends the rest of the movie trying to get away with the murder while the postcards keep coming, um meanwhile also trying to navigate his way through uh this corporate power struggle while having an affair uh not an affair he's not with he's not married while uh falling in love question mark with uh the with the uh previous girlfriend of the writer who he killed um and all of this stuff goes down uh the main plot of the movie starts kind of halfway through um when uh he's pitched a film called Habeas Corpus uh which is a a drama that is reality uh <laughs> one of the silliest scenes I've ever seen basically this ludicrously depressing uh, absolutely terrible movie that's going to have no stars uh, depressing ending and uh, he like uh, lets uh, the other executive like take this idea from him and knows it's going to fail it does he comes in and saves it uh, and is able to become the new boss and get away with murder and then at the end of the movie it's a year later he's the new boss he's gotten away with murder and the actual real postcard guy calls him up and uh says i've got a pitch for a movie it's about a uh writer who kills the wrong guy when he's trying to uh see who was threatening him with postcards um i call it the player and he's like, you've got a deal, as he goes to his ridiculous, like, mansion with now married and pregnant uh, to the uh, uh, writer's um, prior girlfriend. Like, th- basically, that's all folks plays over the screen at this point. Uh, and the whole thing's like a weird movie within a movie joke. Um, and that's that's the plot on the broad strokes Uh, but the movie's more about just the texture and the, like, jokes of its scene-to-scene movement, I feel like.
0: Yeah, so we gotta talk about why you picked this movie, because, uh, when- the whole story is outrageous, so- VoIP Life is a podcast. Me and Jackson do for the Patreon. If you pledge it $10, it's usually just us goofing off. But we went through, uh, Jackson's movie library and got rid of some stuff. Um, you know, Yahoo anime rules. Uh, and, um, in doing that, we, we came across the player. I was like, what's that? Jackson read the synopsis. So I was like, oh, we should just do that for, uh, Reptor screenings. That sounds great. I've never seen it. Jackson never seen it. Asked Destiny. Destiny was like, I've seen it, but we can watch it again. Uh, cause I don't remember that well. And so we watched it. Um, In that episode where we go through all that, we deleted a movie called Dead Man Walking, (laughs) Um, which is from 95 uh, and is based on a book written in 93. The player came out in 1992. um, (laughs) Dead Man Walking is the story of Susan Sarandon, who shows up in the player as uh as the as like the woman who's trying to save uh julia roberts who is on death row uh, because the da is like i can't send any more black people to death chamber i need to send a rich white woman and it's julia roberts who looks like she's 15 in this fake ass movie they make um channeling joan of arc because this movie is on its bullshit um and so the the real movie uh, based on the real book written by a nun is about this nun uh, who's played by uh Susan Sarandon who goes to death row and Sean Penn is charged with death penalty and she's trying to get him off uh, get him to life in prison um because, you know, she's talking to, cause he was sent to die and the person he committed the crime with has life in prison. She's like, death penalty's wrong. I need to get his sentence commuted to life in prison, and tries to do that. Uh, the whole movie's about that, fails to do that. He ends up dying at the end. Uh, that movie, written and directed by Tim Robbins, uh. No! <laughs> I didn't know that! No! You're <laughs> kidding! Who, no did, way. who did the player and saw this fake ass movie and was like, I bet we could make this and it would be great. Um, and that movie no! uh, made, <laughs> was uh, you know shot for 11 million dollars made 83 million dollars had Susan Sarandon starring in it just like the other one fucking outrageous.
1: This is <laughs> a <laughs> way better punchline than the actual end of the movie. Are you kidding me? I had <laughs> fucking I kidding had me? no idea. Like we would laughed when Susan Sarandon shows up on the screen in the player because we were like Dead Man Walking. But I did not realize that was why he made. I or I didn't know he directed.
0: Yeah, that. I didn't amazing. either. I looked this up before we did this episode. I was like, "Oh my god, the universe is good."
1: <laughs> I feel like my mind has expanded.
2: So like, there's no fucking because when they pitch the movie, you're not meant to think this was like a good, pure movie that gets like changed into a cynical movie at the end. It's all
0: bad. It's always fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, the thing the, the thing the guy describes is like the sappiest fucking awards bait trash you've ever seen. I'm like, this is the worst movie. I bet it'd do pretty well. And then he just goes and makes that movie real. <laughs> he just finds the book that is that movie and makes the movie. Oh my that God. Is amazing. <sighs> my God.
1: Yeah. Well, I was not prepared for that.
0: No. <laughs> it's wild.
1: <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. I'm just so shocked. Yeah, yeah, completely. Cause, cause it gets pitched by Richard E.
2: Grant, who is Richard E. Grant is British, but he is also doing a British accent in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> And the experience of watching a British person do a British action is very funny, and he's doing it on a purpose. It's great, and he's like, and we open in the penitentiary, and it pulls down, and we see these lights like Japanese candles, and he's giving, he's like doing this very animated arms in the air pitch, and it's, and then is like, and then he he realizes the husband faked his death, and she hasn't killed him at all, and she's framed. He's been she's been framed for murder. So he's running through the running through the uh, the prison, but it's too late. The pellets have fallen. She's dead because that's reality, that happens
1: (laughs) and it's like what are you talking about and no stars, no fucking stars
0: I want no name
1: actors only
0: yeah. So by the end, when Bruce Willis, like, shoot, like, kicks down the door and blows open the gas chamber and rescues Julia Roberts, it was like, traffic was a bitch. Uh, and he is clapping because he didn't matter. He didn't care. Cause he, uh, cause, uh, the story editor that was the girlfriend of Tim Robbins' character, we'll get back to the plot of this actual movie in a second. Uh, she's like, well, what happened to this is reality. What happened to caring about the story? He's like, well, the story tested poorly. This one people love. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, incredible. Yep. Um,
2: it's, it's very ridiculous. Uh, so all I knew about this movie going in was that the pitch was uh, a Hollywood agent is getting uh, threats, but doesn't realize which writer they're from.
0: Yeah, that's what you told me. And I was like, yeah, we can watch. It. That sounds great. <laughs>
2: That's not what the movie's about. Like it is <laughs> technically, but it's such a deceptively written. Because that's what the summary is on, like Plex on Wikipedia and everything. Like yeah. the, that is the two line premise of the movie. Not a writer is having a like murders a guy twenty minutes in, or like murders a writer twenty minutes in. Sorry. Um, while going through some like weird, not like like maybe thirty percent American psycho business shits. Yeah. Um like not to the extent of that, but definitely it's uh you know, this comes came first, but it's uh, in that in that vein of weird like uh, corporate manoeuvring. Yes. Uh, just being on its face, ludicrous, all these people
0: are fools. Yeah.
1: It also we failed to mention, has like eighty thousand cameos in it.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, that goes without saying. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Because the entire movie, right, before, it ends in that hilarious habeas corpus bit, but the entire movie, every single time someone's pitching something, they go, oh, we can get Julia Roberts for that. Yes. Uh, and so when they cut to the habeas corpus bit, before they even do the Bruce Willis reveal of that they've changed the ending, it, when it's just Julia Roberts standing <laughs> sitting there, and you're like, oh, fucking of course.
0: Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, it's because the the actual actors are all stars, too, and also this takes place in 92, or, you know, movies made in 92, you have characters, you have this scenario where, like, characters drift into the show and you don't know if they're like playing a part or if they're actors and also some of the actors like i don't know who this person is anymore because it was 30 years ago uh so you'll see like people you're like this is meant to be a cameo no idea who this is or you'll see (laughs) people or you'll see like baby gina gershon being like the assistant to uh bonnie and you're like oh this is like before she blew up (laughs) yep that one was that one was fun
1: yeah (laughs) like I didn't recognize, or excuse me, I recognize Mimi Rogers, but, like, what was she in? Uh, can't think of any Mimi Rogers movies, because I'm not old enough to know really what her heyday was, but she's in this, she sure is in this movie, and then Annie McDowell's
0: here. Malcolm McDowell's here. <laughs> yes, the part where Malcolm McDowell <laughs> and Andy McDowell are, like, literally in, like, a straight line. Like, he meets Malcolm McDowell, and Malcolm McDowell yells at him, <laughs> and he goes one room over, and Andy McDowell is there. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> this
2: movie is hilarious. Uh, like, he shows up, and um, when he walks into the office, and he meets this, like, young uh kid who's like the son of this other executive or I don't I forget the exact relation. But it's basically going like, I wanna go play tennis with celebrities. Uh is is this girl married? <laughs> yeah, it he's, like, he's like, Can
0: married? you hook me up with Meg Ryan? It's like Meg Ryan's married. He's like, oh damn, what about this girl? <laughs> Winona Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um it's it's wild and that guy and that guy literally just sits in the background of every like big conference room looking through this folder of women and at the very end they're like ah yeah we had to get rid of our executive because that kid has the clap now (laughs) got in trouble
2: yeah the amount of like background stuff in this movie is because so the the movie opens on like this like eight minute long tracking shot uh with characters with one character who can't stop referencing the (laughs) tracking shot from touch of evil Yes. (laughs) Yes, like <laughs> it keeps going on about how like oh touchy touchy with of, touch of tracking shot. That's when cinema was good. But then when everyone else says like tracking shot to him, he doesn't never never heard of it. <laughs> yes,
0: which is um, uh, so he's like the studio security guy played by Fred Ward, um, who is like because he, he's Fred Ward, he looks kind of like a gangster in the big business yes. suit of the '90s. But also he's clearly like a gangster who only knows about cinema through like crime films. <laughs> it's his reference yes. point for literally everything. Oh yeah. Uh, and so anytime someone asks anything of him, he will reference a crime movie from, like, 50 years ago as, like... The, <laughs> and that's just who he is. Like, that's his whole personality. It's fantastic. Uh,
2: yeah, he he is fantastic in the movie. So when he shows up, so after he's killed this guy...
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, the way that the movie, like, progresses... so The first 20 minutes are, like, pretty standard, like,
0: uh, it's a Hollywood parody, everyone's an awful person um, type stuff. Tim Robbins uh, orders a water everywhere he goes by name, and it's always a different water. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> so it's that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, actually, it's actually before the murder. The part where the movie starts getting weird is when he calls uh, calls this guy's house uh, to find this writer. Yeah, because he uh, thinks he, he
0: thinks a specific writer named David Kahane is the one sending him these threatening cards. It's not. We don't really find out who it is. Doesn't matter. Yes. Um. um
2: but he thinks it's David Cahane, he goes to David Cahane's house and calls him, and he's, like, watching in the window ready like, I'm going to get him, I'm going to... And it's unclear what he's trying to do. Like, he is really going to, like, buy him off, mm-hmm. but um, it plays it weird. So he's calling him out, sitting outside the house, and then this woman picks up, and then it's like, oh, I'm, David's not here, but I'm not, like, that close to him, and then they have this kind of meaningful conversation. while well, he's, like, just stalking her, looking in the window in a very creepy, weird way, and it's just, like, just off kilter. Then he goes to have the meeting with Kane and ends up murdering him. Um kinda of by accident. Like uh it doesn't he doesn't go with intent to kill him, right? Like and then they, they get into a fight, and then in the middle of the fight he just loses it and uh uh kills this guy and then just like you know, breaks the window with his handprint on and walks away. Um and then it's from that point that the movie is just like you, anything can happen, because they start playing, like, for ludicrous jokes with, like, so he goes, the next morning he goes to uh, his meeting, and he's a bit late, and he's like oh, I was in, I was in Pasadena last night uh, watching, a, watching a film, where he tries to get on in on uh, Larry Levy, who's the other ex- executive, uh, and then like, turns over the paper, and it's like man found dead in Pasadena theatre watching The Bicycle Thief Um,
1: and he just, like, flops sweating the rest of the scene
0: yeah, it's really good.
1: I also like how film noir everything is between him and I think her name is June, the writer's yes. girlfriend, uh, in, in that bit after the murder. Like, the conversations they're having and just, I don't know. It, it's very, <laughs> like...
0: Oh, go on. Oh, I was going to say June Goodman's daughter, which is like a re- recurring joke that her last name is just impronounceable and her first name is just June.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, the thing is, because he comes across her, like, on the phone while he's looking in the window, and she's, like, you know, uh, Greta Scacci is, like, an Italian actor. For the phone and him looking at the window as she's, like, painting all elegantly, like, casts her as a character from, like, 60s Italian cinema, like, with the vocal quality of her talking and, like, the way it's Mm -hmm. shot, like, him just catching glimpses of her through these windows. Just, like, the movie just stops to have, like, this really beautiful moment, uh, but also as, like, a joke in itself. Yes. Uh...
2: And the movie, like, continues to do these weird, like, just textural things that are really cool but also jokes, right? So there's that one later on where he goes to the the, the cops, uh, who, are uh, they... Everyone in this movie, like, knows he's done it. Yes. <laughs> Literally everyone. <laughs> nobody is in any kind of, like, uh you know uh ignorance about the fact that he's murdered this guy he, and to the point where like Fred Ward starts getting mad when he's like trying to like like I would never kill someone kill him he's like no I I'm the fucking security guy I'm here to get you off of it you idiots <laughs> in uh in not so many words right like and so he goes to the cops later in the movie um and uh <laughs> the the scene is just surreal cuz the, there's a character that's been following him the whole movie who I assume you are meant to think is the real ra- like, uh, postcard guy. The the, the, the the guy's revealed to be the detective as, like, in the fake-out, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you're, yeah. You're meant to think, oh, that's the postcard guy, and he doesn't know he's being watched when he's going through his stuff. Eventually, he's revealed to be uh, a detective, and in the movie is just a detective, but the way things play out with that character are so fucking strange, even after this, like, fake-out reveal. It's just sur- So, like, he goes to the, uh, detective office, or the, you know, police station, as it's called. <laughs> 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 and they, like, keep dropping stuff on the floor. Uh, the guy starts, like, swatting flies. And they all just start laughing at him because he's, being a bit of an idiot and at first it starts with them laughing at him because he's being an idiot, but then like just goes beyond reality to just everyone is laughing at him, he doesn't understand what's happening, hard zoom in on his face, all these people are laughing at him, and then just like cuts the next day as like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Um,
0: yeah. Also, the, the guy is Lyle Lovett, who at this point had not really done any movies. He was a country Western singer, and he doesn't look like an actor, right? Like, he, yes. everyone else is, like, very Hollywood, looks very put together, and he comes on, you're like, oh, like, he must be, like, the movie really tips his hand that this is the creepy guy, because he looks weird. Like, Lyle Lovett's got, like, this long, like, pointy uh, Midwestern, ho- like, face of, like, a farmer standing around looking shady all the time.
1: Yes. Another movie once described him as being so ugly that he was sexy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um And so when they when they come across like when you know it, it turns out that he's just the detective uh and he's like oh, still a weirdo though because he's he, they come into the office and Whoopi Goldberg is like what was that movie you saw last night? and he's like oh freaks so like oh yeah freaks and then he just starts chanting one of us from Freaks Um and Tim Robbins is, at this point is just having a breakdown like long like over a long period of this stretch of the movie um, and he's just losing his mind this guy's chanting one of us and Whoopi Goldberg clearly knows that he did it and is trying to give unsettle him by asking him if he fucked June and he's like excuse me he's like did you fuck her just yes or no it's an easy question um and uh it's willie goldberg in this movie just stealing scenes i love the like early 90s Whoopi, just killing it in every single movie um so good we will stop for a package <laughs> uh why does your um
2: uh, uh, you know package uh, alert thing, the noise make the exact uh, ten, tone of the start of the Mission Impossible theme <laughs>
0: <laughs> well now I have to leave this in <laughs> I don't know why it does that
1: <laughs> it's, it's like
2: it, was, it was exactly the right pitch for it
0: no you're right, you're right, damn
2: so it's going to ruin it every time you get a package
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'll never not think about that <laughs>
1: I have returned. Hello. Oh,
0: thank you. Jackson pointed out that our doorbell sounds like the Mission Impossible theme, like the first like notes, and oh, it's ruined it.
1: That's <laughs> hilarious. I never noticed that.
0: <laughs> yeah, me either.
2: Oh, where were we? It hit in my brain. I oh, was just talking about the. There was a
0: uh, I was talking scenes. about how Whoopi Goldberg steals every scene she's in because yes. she's incredible.
1: She sure yes. does.
0: Yes. Uh, that bit at the beginning where she's like, Oh, an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if it's Wolfie Goldberg or not. Uh, <laughs> it's just incredible. Yes.
1: Yeah, I she's she's the only one I did that with. Did anybody else do that throughout this movie?
0: Uh, there was a bit when, when uh, early on, I wasn't sure how many actual stars were going to be, like, cameos. So when you see, like, Jeff Goldblum, or uh, there's a bit where John... Like, it opens on, like, a restaurant, and John Cusack's just sitting there eating with... Uh, Angelica Houston. Um, Angelica Houston. And I was like, oh, is this, like, new characters? And no, it's just John Cusack and Angelica Houston having lunch together. <laughs> which, in 2020, to me, that is a ridiculous duo of people to be having lunch together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the Hollywood in this movie feels, like, ancient,
2: and not because it's, like... I don't know what the movie is, like, thinking about uh Hollywood, right? Like, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's a movie implicitly about something that is dying. Um But we know from history that it is. <laughs> like, this is not how movies yes. are done anymore.
0: Uh, well, like, watching this movie, the thing I was struck by is, like, this is like a year before pulp fiction. Yes. Which just changes how movies are acquired and distributed forever for Hollywood. I, like Jurassic Park's coming.
1: I just <laughs> want Oh, oh, you oh, oh ahead, I just wanted me. to interject and say that in nineteen ninety, John Cusack and Angelica Houston did do a movie together called The Griptors, so it wasn't weird for nineteen ninety two standards. Yeah, no, no.
0: It's just weird for twenty twenty standards. Yes.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this is, like, in the era of, like, you know, post-Lethal Weapon, Shane Black getting a million and a half to write Last Boy Scout, which is hilarious
1: how movies are made now, right? Well, like, yeah. one of the things I kept saying, like, one of the most unrealistic things to me was that everybody had this encyclopedic knowledge of, like, 50s cinema that yes. worked at the studio, because I just don't think it's like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, especially not now, like, now it's everyone in those jobs is, like, a business person, right? Like, mm-hmm. they, they fucking learned how to sell pizza, and then they got tri- like ho- promoted into Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: yeah, so I, I don't know how, like, consciously it is, like, ne- about, you know, Hollywood being a dying thing, but it definitely comes across as, you know, because that is what's happening in the world at this time mm-hmm. like just all of this changes and then by like you know you get 20 years later and it's just not it's just the, it's just a different world um yeah
1: how do you get i think three years later you get a different world
2: uh it would three years later you get a different world but like you know in the uh shadow of pulp fiction everyone thinks it's a more exciting world <laughs> Like all <the laughs> indie, yes. indie films are coming and now you see that uh as ever that's not how it really works right right yeah um and so I found that stuff, uh, that stuff cool, um, but uh, what are the other bits we want to hit? Because uh, there's, um, God, there's so much in this movie.
0: Uh, there is. <laughs> it's good. Um, that, I just, I really like hanging out with these characters. I like uh, Larry Levy, played by Peter Gallagher, is just like he's ready to play Moneyball. Like in terms of how the studios run, like he comes in with this idea. He's like, "Why are we paying writers so much? Like it doesn't matter. We focus test the shit out of these anyway. We could just write these ourselves. <laughs> There's no reason to pay people <laughs> with their, their like brilliant scripts that they've been working on for ten years. It doesn't make better movies." <laughs> and The thing is, everything around the movie proves that he is correct about that, (laughs) but also his ideas are stupid. (laughs) His ideas are stupid, but then also,
2: like... He so, so everyone's like a hypocrite in his movie, right? Which is like he yes. comes in and says this, but then the thing he actually goes on is the most awards like, that fake Dead Man walking movie. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which I can't, I can, I can now no longer reference that because my god.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's like the we, we're gonna just we're just gonna make movies ourselves. We don't need to pay his writer stuff. Anyone can come up with an idea? Ideas are free. Open the paper. Any story. Make a movie out of that. It'll all be the same in the end. Um. And, you know, I think he's kind of right. <laughs> I've seen movies. I know how this goes. Uh, and then ends up doing the most, like, being the person who commits hardest to obnoxious, no no stars, just talent. Uh, that has to be saved by um, Tim Robbins.
0: Yes. And then at
2: the end is, like, being, like, real suck-up. Like, that's where they they pay you the big bucks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Um, one of the things I really like, uh, we see a bit of a movie, I don't remember the name of it, but there's like a cry movie that stars John Glenn and, um, Lily Tomlin. God, what's her? Yeah, Lily Tomlin. Um, and then there's the habeas corpus movie, and the movies in this movie are shot in like this incredibly lurid, like post, uh, Dick Tracy, like, fake technicolor style that is just mm-hmm. wild. Like everything is just like drenched in big bold colors and everyone is acting like, you know, chewing all the scenery. It's just really ridiculous.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh the it's it's great. <laughs> it's, it's Yeah, r-
1: it's a great movie. Um
2: the <laughs> the big the big like at the end the habeas cobbless like pull out shot <laughs> Like, as it starts in the chamber, as they're, like, preparing it, it just slowly pulls back to reveal, since it's a reading, uh, you know, and, um, Julia Roberts getting read her life, last rites and stuff. Yes. Uh, just ridiculous. Also, did you notice that, like, the camera work in that movie, like, sucked? Like, the camera kept wobbling, even though it was meant to be doing, like, a, uh, proper pullback no, shot? No, I, I did not I did not that. notice that. Maybe it was just me I was like that that camera's not This movie started with like one of the most Needlessly extravagant Like crane shots I've ever seen Yes And there's no way this like pulling down a corridor shot Should be this rickety
0: <laughs> Yeah uh,
2: And by being a movie about Hollywood right Like it can get away with basically anything By calling it on purpose Yeah uh, Which is to its advantage yeah. Um, uh, what are the other things we want to uh, want to get
0: to? I don't know. I don't know if I have that much else.
2: Uh, what do think of the ending? I guess is the. Point I was that surprised
0: by it. I like the minute it started. Like I figured he was going to get away with it. That's the only way that could end. Yes. Uh So like the one year later is all good. But then like the reveal that the like the letter writer is there and selling the idea of the movie that we've been watching is very funny to me. I that one caught me off guard. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah I-, I
1: remember being really surprised. Um,
0: I I was uh, not mixed. I
2: was I was also taken off guard by it because like I feel like the movie is meant for... I mean, it came out in 1992, right? So it's meant to be read a little differently to how we would. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the... I don't think, as you're watching the movie, you are meant to be thinking... Oh, well
0: obviously like twelve twenty minutes, in, well obviously he gets away with it and becomes the boss because I know how movies end. <laughs> um, like I think it depends on who you're like I think if you are if you're in if you're in on the joke of like the Hollywood stuff, I think that you would know that. I think if you are just watching this, like, oh look at this weird Hollywood thriller, then you just are like, How's he gonna get out of this one? Who's who really you know, who's setting the letters, all that stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I think it works on both levels, like any good mystery, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that, like, the movie, the end of the movie is meant to be, like, it bec- It goes so far into unreality in the one year later stuff. Yeah. Um, that I don't know if it ends up, like, uh, cutting against what it's trying to do, at least for me. Hmm.
1: Um, it almost felt, because- or go on. no, no, no you go well I was gonna say like it reminded me a lot of Blue Velvet like it felt like a dream sequence and then there's that scene where he like touches June's pregnant belly and then there's a kid going na 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 yes. and it's like okay is this even really happening <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah I'm gonna have to sit with it for a while I, I, I did like it um, I'm just I didn't expect the ending to be uh, like as into like
1: pure joke as it goes it's a very like, almost cynical ending. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but yeah, I really, I really liked it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I guess that's it then.
2: Um, I have a really bad Letterboxd review I found of this movie, which is the most popular review on uh, on Letterboxd.
0: Okay. Hit hit I me. Ju-
2: I just have one paragraph to read.
0: Okay. Um, And for
2: the most part, Griffin Mill is a pretty sympathetic guy. (laughs) 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 We all struggle with our work, even if we don't work for something as high stakes as Hollywood filmmaking. Mill makes some bad decisions along the way. Okay, a lot of bad decisions, but he never seems like a downright bad person. He's just doing his job like everyone else, trying to save his skin the only way he knows how, until that final shot. So... The idea of taking this movie on face value is meant to be earnest about Griffin until the final shot is
1: ludicrous. He kills someone. <laughs> he fucking kills someone 20 minutes in. He's not a good guy. He tries when he first gets pitched habeas corpus, his plan is to give it to Peter Gallagher and then it's supposed to flop and then it's going to get Peter Gallagher fired. Like that was his whole reasoning for giving him the movie. I mean that did that did happen. Just with the test. No, the
0: whole thing with that is that because he gave it to Peter Gallagher, he's the team player and got promoted. Like that's the implication. Oh,
1: okay. I thought he. Uh... No, no,
0: no. you were right, Destiny. De- Jackson's the one that's
1: wrong. No, no, oh. no. I'm saying that like the
2: implication was that it failed at the test screenings, and it was it was a. Uh... Uh, Griffin, the king of the new uh, to, ending. To
0: me, the implication of that is that like no. him giving him that movie, and that movie, then becoming big, widely successful after they work is what like when they were choosing who was going to be the new successor to the big, you know, the big chair, they yeah. chose him because he's willing to give the movie away.
1: Yeah, because before, uh, before they change it and everything, he thinks that he's just going to take it and it's going to flop.
2: I thought it was the idea that uh, he could. Um... Like that he came in and fixed the movie because there was a line about like oh your new
0: ending killed. Yeah, but the whole thing was he wasn't ever going to fix the movie. He just wanted to get yeah. uh Levy fired.
1: Um, he explains his whole plot to somebody, but I can't remember who he explains it to. Yeah, mm. the,
2: the thing that changes is the uh, the like big guy ends up uh, something uh, like he gets fired way quicker.
0: Yes,
1: <laughs> was it his lawyer? He explained it to. I He's think played f- by director Sidney Pollack. I think so. I don't remember. I Maybe. Don't
2: remember. <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
0: Um. Okay. I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, we are going to be back in one week because uh, we have a, a Patreon episode where we are going to be covering uh, Bound by the Bukowski's. So please look forward to that. I didn't look up where we could get this. So I guess we're going to do that now. Informal podcast. That's this one. Yeah you want to look up on your end, Jackson?
2: I'm looking it up right now. You can get it on, um, you know, on Blu-ray.
0: This is streaming on Pluto TV uh, or is this Peacock CBS? No, CBS All Access maybe? I don't know. Uh, You can rent it on normal places. Um.
2: This is streaming on Stars, Amazon and My5 in the UK. (laughs) You can also rent it on normal Amazon or buy it on Blu-ray or whatever. You can get Bound. It's around. Yeah.
0: It's around. And we'll be having a guest for that one. Uh so you know, it was short notice, but we're also not really planning to take questions like usual. Oh, did we we had I think oh, we, we had, had one questions. Email for this. Had yeah, in, that's yeah. what I
1: was like gonna ask. Like, we what are we doing?
0: <laughs> no, you know, it's been it's been three weeks. I forgot how to do this goddamn podcast. Yep. Um Okay, we had two yes, we had two. Uh we have one from Alex. Uh Alex says uh congratulations on your fast recovery, Destiny. Thank you. Um, Alex didn't enjoy the first twenty minutes because didn't in, in not just the political landscape of Hollywood couldn't be us. Sorry, couldn't be this us. Yeah, sorry, yeah. It could have just been that for uh, two hours. i would have been fine. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, what do you think June is doing on the side where she can afford a house with a yard in Pasadena in the '90s, full of paintings she doesn't sell? Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't know i mean i i the boring answer is that
2: like teaching uh, oh i was gonna say that's just kind of like uh, by the end of the movie that's kind of the joke of the movie as they have their massive house together
1: (laughs) i think
0: she's i think she's i think she's probably just old money from europe right like she's just dallying about in hollywood because she's got the money already
1: yes oh yeah probably tracks more
0: uh we've got questions from tron uh who's your favorite character in this movie (laughs)
1: Cher. That's not true. I just really liked seeing Cher. Um, The the Whoopi Goldberg character was pretty great. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. The bit where she yelled, there's a bit where there's a lineup where this lady identifies the cop, uh, and she goes, can you tell me one thing, Miss? Where the fuck is your mom buried? Because she's like, I swear on my mom's grave, that's the criminal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a laugh out loud line. (laughs) Yep.
2: As they basically, someone's paid this witness to get him off.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, trauma's gonna ask who's your favorite big star cameo. I know Destiny's the share. Clearly,
1: <laughs> she just looked really good. She seemed really healthy and happy. Yeah, that's fair. I like that they. Uh, oh, go on. No, go ahead. Oh, Can they you... said to wear black and white to that gala, and she just shows up in red. And, I don't know. It just yes. made me laugh.
0: Uh, I liked the uh, Malcolm McDowell one where he's just like uh,
1: <laughs> well, I was gonna say,
0: next, where he just he, he's just like ah, oh, next time you say something, say it to my face and walks out. It's good. I, was,
1: I also really like Jack Lemmon just quietly playing the piano at that party <laughs> yes. in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: The uh, the Malcolm McDowell one's funny because he's like, I thought it was gonna go somewhere. It's not. It doesn't. I was like, is he, did, he, did he Wait, did he say anything about Malcolm McDowell earlier, or is he gonna resolve? what that's about like no. <laughs> oh. No, he at him.
0: Uh Tarnas, what do you all think about Bonnie at the end of the movie? Uh I feel like all that one year later stuff is like meant to be unreal cuz Bonnie's better than that. <laughs> yeah, she sure like, is. The- the joke is the way in which she is like immediately just like trashed and written out of the film or like the narrative by like being fired and like sobbing like her heel breaks and she's won't be let into the main thing. And he literally says, I'm tell her I'm not in and then walks right past her in <laughs> his car and she's just like crying on the stairs like it's meant to be fake as hell.
2: Yes, that's the entire because it cuts right from the like stupid fake ending of the first movie of like the fake
0: movie to the stupid fake ending in the real movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. Um, how do you think you would all fare working in a Hollywood studio?
1: Terrible. And would do find?
0: I'd be great. Yeah, you'd be, <laughs>
1: be amazing. You'd make the big bucks. I would do terrible. I'd get fired okay. like Bonnie.
0: I could do this exact job of thinking up movies. I'd be good at it.
1: See, be I, I could do this exact... Anyone could do this exact job.
0: Yes. No, that's the thing. It's not a hard job. The thing is, I would be willing to sustain my cynicism for the big bucks. <laughs>
2: true someone came up to you and be like what would fix this movie you would know exactly what would fix that movie
0: yeah it you just pick the dumbest thing possible <laughs> oh. right. okay that's it those are our questions if Thanks. you want to send questions send it a podcast at of uh we probably won't take questions for bound i mean i guess if you get them in we'll ask them but we're not like soliciting questions it's a patreon episode um again thank you for listening uh thank you for everyone who wished us well on our break and uh, was excited that we were coming back early Destiny, where can people find you online? uh the podcast
1: Badland Girls, which is on abnormal mapping now.
0: Yeah, you just go there. You could find your most recent episode, or is the next one up?
1: Uh, I think it's just the most recent for now.
0: Okay, okay. I know that uh, your surgery derailed coming back, but
1: but we's back back now.
0: And eventually, you'll have the full archive up. Hopefully, yes, that'll be nice. That's the plan. That's a long- term project. That's a lot of episodes of a
1: podcast <laughs> Yes.
0: Um, Twitter
1: at Fridge Buzz now
2: Jackson you can find me at headfuls off on twitter.com. You can find the podcast me at mdu at abnormalmapping.com. They're all there. They're cool. Uh, go listen to one of them.
0: Yeah, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at em underscore being if you would like to uh, listen to one of me talk about movies on another podcast, I have a studio Ghibli podcast. This episode is going up Sunday night. Next episode is going uh, that I'm recording is Wednesday. So if you want to write in a quick email about Tales from Earthsea, we're recording that this week. Um, Looking forward to that. Uh, Goro Miyazaki's debut as a director. Um, my co-host on that autumn is also getting surgery. So we're about to go on a probably a couple week hiatus on that one. Who, d- maybe not. That's a three week, uh, <laughs> every three week show. So maybe we'll just be able to like pave right over it and roll into the next movie. But, uh, it's likely that we are going to take a short break after that. Um, yeah. Things just happen. Uh, but if you'd like to support us, uh, keep a roof over our head, food in our bellies. Me and Dusty are going to get lunch immediately after this because I'm starving. Uh, you can, uh, support us at patreon.com slash normal mapping for $1 a month. You get the Great Gundam Project. Me and Jackson are watching Gundam Wing and Space Runner on For $10 a month, you can get VoIP Life, which a lot of the time we talk about movies. That's um, true. after, after our bound episode, we're going to be putting together our Halloween slate. Uh, Jackson's a horror baby, so we're going to be picking movies that are, fine for jackson so if you're also a horror baby don't worry about it we've got you back we're gonna have good halloween themed content that is not super scary no jump scares no like super brutality or whatever um but i'll have that announced in our discord which you can find i'll announce the next movie next week but I'm, i need to put it together we'll announce it all in the discord if you like to talk about movies that's a good place to do it uh come check us out it's free you can just get the web- link off the website uh, normalmapping.com, of course um and that's it until then movies now more than ever don't expect to like him.